The trade deadline started early Tuesday. Two big deals going down. Demontis Sabonis heading to the Sacramento Kings. CJ McCollum coming to the New Orleans Pelicans. And what in the world is going on with James Harden? Let's break it all down in the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm Tony East, host of Locked On Pacers, filling in for your normal Wednesday Dossett Tones, Mr. John Corrales. I don't have the Boston accent, but I do have just as good of takes as he does. We're going to need him today. We, You and I have kind of had a, had a busy 24 hours or so. We, we didn't plan this, right? Like we did not schedule you to fill in for John after the trade went down. This was just done before. It's like it was destiny. It was Nick, Nick Angstad, one of our Locked On Mavs hosts, messaged me. He said, can you do Locked On NBA Tuesday night? And then the same day, McCollum gets traded to the team that you cover. Sabonis gets traded off the team I cover. We, we are just... Our voices will be fried by the end of this day, but we've got these takes down. We're ready. Oh, no, we're ready. We're going to break it all down for you. So we're going to cover both of those and James Harden. And thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. We're free, no paywall or anything like that. Five days a week breaking down the biggest news with, you know what, the local hosts sometimes that cover these stories. So let's dive into it. Let's dive into the Indiana Pacers and the trade for Demonis Sabonis and the Sacramento Kings because this one's pretty – Interesting. I'll let you want you want to break down the deal for us and who's moving where. Yeah. So the Pacers trade three guys that were rumored to be on the move for them potentially around the deadline. Sabonis, obviously the highlight, two-time All-Star. He's headed to the Kings along with uh, wing Justin Holiday and guard Jeremy Lamb. And the Pacers, who are rebuilding, get from the Kings Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Jake and I can uh, contribute to the Tristan Thompson buyout fund because I doubt he'll ever report to Indy. So it's really just Buddy Heald. <laughs> And Tyrese Halliburton headed to the Pacers in this trade. And this this kind of sums up where both teams are headed. And really, this trade plays into the trade we'll talk about later. The play-in race in the West was busy this day. The Kings pushing for that, that spot to try to make the playoffs, while the Pacers are far from the play-in in the East. So the Pacers move backwards. They trade Sabonis for a guy in, in Halliburton who they think can be as good as him in the future. Fits really well on their timeline with Chris Duarte. They just dealt Karis LeVert this weekend, so they're rebuilding. The Kings want to keep up with the arms race in the Western Conference. You know, the Pelicans just got C.J. McCollum. They're on fire. They just reached 10th behind the good play of Brandon Ingram. They want to keep up with those teams. They needed to get someone like Sabonis to pair with De'Aaron Fox. The motivations make sense for both teams, but a lot of people around the league and a lot of people who cover the league were very surprised that the Pacers were able to pry away Tyrese Halliburton from the Kings. Yeah, like that that's the thing, right? Like I so from the Kings perspective, I get it. I don't love what they did, but I get the rationale behind it, right? Like the last time they made the playoffs 16 years ago, the iPhone didn't exist. Yeah, if you have the chance to like get into the playoffs, maybe you should just go for it and try and kind of break that streak, right? It's weird we're having an arms race for 10th in the West, but here <laughs> we are in the playing tournament clearly working. I get it, right? Like they have a glut of guards to an extent, 
They clearly very much value De'Aaron Fox. They like Davion Mitchell. You know, they had been rumored to move, but he healed for a little bit. So you get rid of some guys at a position where there was some redundancy. You bring in the only all-star they've ever traded for in Sabonis. They've never done that before. It was like highlighted at the top of their press release too. You know, you've never given De'Aaron Fox a teammate like that. They feel good probably about pushing for 10th and next season as well. It's just a little bit weird to do it for such a young player in Tyrese Halliburton that was starting to show a lot of promise. 14 points per game, seven assists, shooting above 40% from three. That's kind of why I love it for the Indiana Pacers. You get a young guy that's not, maybe he has some talent and works out. You know, he's not an all-NBA guy, but this is a guy that looks like his ceiling might be a borderline all-star, and you basically get him for, I I mean, an all-star, but when you're trying to rebuild and as you said, it kind of fits the timeline and where the Pacers are. This is a good deal for them. I think. Yeah. Sabonis is very good. And, and talking about his skills and his fit with Fox, there's a, there's a lot of redeemable qualities there, but the the problem is even if Sabonis is awesome, the Pacers have no playoff success since he became a starter. They haven't won a single playoff game. Their last two regular seasons have been a complete mess. So like how good is he really for the team that they have I think he can help other teams more than them in their situation so it made all the sense in the world for them to do it and even if Halliburton is a future play and let's be honest he obviously is but at 14.3 points per game 7.4 assists per game and shooting 41 percent from three he would be the Pacers third leading scorer their leading assist guy and their best three-point shooter on their team right now today and he's a sophomore who's played less than 100 or 109 career games in his career it's obviously a future play. The Pacers have Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. They can pivot that direction now, but he's good right now. So I think this, uh, it really makes a lot of sense for both teams under that guise. And Buddy Heald will help one of the worst shooting teams in the league in Indiana. Justin Holiday is the best wing the Kings have had since <laughs> my whole life. It feels <laughs> Probably like. for a while. <laughs> so they're, they're marginal pieces, but they still help the teams in, in a lot of ways. So I get why. I get why the perception of this trade is what it is, certainly, but I also get exactly why both teams did it. And maybe the Kings, Fox and Sabonis fit great together and they can finally have a reason to bring fans into their building for a a meaningful basketball game. Yeah, like whether you really like this deal or not for the Kings, it just really kind of comes down to, I think, how you feel about Tyrese Halliburton. Again, I think there's a lot of upside to him. I don't know if I would have let him go that easily. If it were up to me, I probably would have let it be De'Aaron Fox, maybe, and seeing if you can get a little bit more or something along those lines for him. But, you know, this is the route that they want to go. They really believe in Fox. They've, you know, publicly committed to trying to rebuild about him. For the Pacers, though, too, Buddy Heald's a piece that could be moved this offseason again, too, and give them more assets back, right? His contract's a little bit hefty, but I believe it's declining. He's one of the better shooters in the league. He's a guy that's going to have value and should be able to fetch him assets in return if they're committing to more than a, and I'm curious your take on this, a more than kind of like one-year little rebuild that it looks like maybe they're trying to do right now. Yeah, the, you know, the history of the Pacers franchise has never been to be bad for more than one season. Right. So I would assume their goal is to be pretty good next year. And that's why I, I've highlighted how much Halberton could help them right now, even despite him being a future play. But yeah, the, the buddy discussion is interesting. Like I joked about Tristan Thompson being a bio guy because he has no future with this franchise. But Buddy's interesting because he can really shoot, but that's like his only redeemable NBA skill. And the Kings have been trying to trade him for forever since basically since he signed his extension last year right so he's a negative value deal certainly um again he's got redeemable qualities but his best role is probably on a very good team where he's just asked Mm -hmm. to run around and spot up and the pacers 
are not a very good team despite needing his best skills. So it's very possible, especially with Thompson, uh, who's on an expiring deal. I suppose they could reroute him, but I'm guessing that's just a buyout situation. But I think with Hill, it's very possible they look to try to just flip him somewhere else, you know, trade him somewhere else and see what they can get there. The Lakers wanted him before the season started. I don't don't know where they stand on on their their feelings on him right now necessarily. That's just I only say them because of that preseason they almost did trade. Before, they almost did before the rust thing. Instead of Westbrook, almost yeah. uh, almost went with Buddy Heald there. No, it's interesting. Look, I, I think this is one of those deals that you look at like a little funny, but overall, like no, like I think everyone's happy with this trade for the most part, and that's that's not a bad thing to kind of end up happening. And look. The playing tournament works. If you have the Sacramento Kings going for it, fighting for 10th, and probably know better than that, the front, you know, the league office everyone has to be thrilled about all this. And there was another team that, <laughs> that made a trade fighting for the 10th spot. It's an arms race in the West for that 10th seed. We'll talk about CJ McCollum heading to New Orleans coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award winning app. Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this and I know you will too. Prize Picks is super easy. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not playing other people who have monitors and algorithms and are diving into the stats and do this as professionals. You see the number, you decide over or under that. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Plus, Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals you get to use the award-winning app that's available both on the app store and google play and they offer any prop that you can think of points scored rebounds steals and you even get mixed sports entries so if you want to jump on prize picks take advantage of the big game coming up you can do that and pair it with your favorite nba players and they don't just offer nba you've got college basketball MLB, if they start playing again, soccer, MMA, and more. And for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Our listeners get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Pick entry scores a single point. But you've got to use promo code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer for Locked On NBA listeners. Sign up today. Use promo code NBA for $50 free if a player in your first Prize Pick entry scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. Thank you for listening to the Locked On NBA podcast. We're here five days a week breaking down everything you want to know about the association. We normally recap games. There were a bunch of games in the association. There's just too big of news to be able to talk about that. So you're going to go have to listen to the Locked On show for your favorite team for all of the breakdowns of the wins, the losses, because we had two big trades. We just broke down the Pacers and Kings trade. Now let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers dealing CJ McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans, the team that I cover. So the official deal is CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell heading to New Orleans. New Orleans is going to send Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, Didi Luzada, Tomas Sadoransky, a protected 2022 first-round pick that Portland gets if it's between 5 and 14. Otherwise, it's going to be deferred to a later first-round pick and two future second-round picks. Look, from the Pelicans' perspective, this one is simple. Their offense is terrible this year, and they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league at 26 in terms of three-point percentage. When Brandon Ingram isn't out there on the court, the offense absolutely tanks. And look, C.J. McCollum, while on the wrong side of 30 and owed a lot of money over the next three years, if you count this one, all above $30 million, 
Dude's one of a few players in the league that's averaged over 20 points per game for the past seven seasons. He's a career 40% shooter from deep. You kind of need something like that. It's going to help them charge for the 10th spot this year. And next year, when you presumably have Zion Williamson healthy, adding a shooter of that caliber and a guy that can do it off the dribble unassisted, I think is really important. So this helps them now and in the future. So Tony, what's your take on this one? I like it for the Pels in their situation, especially as they're a little bit surging. Surging is not the perfect word, but playing much better of late. You know, they started so one on a 12. game winning streak. Yeah. Yeah. They started one and 12 and they're firmly locked into the play. And now like they've clearly turned it around and figured something out. He fits pretty well with what they do. And I get why McCollum's contract is viewed as what it is. He's missed a lot of time in the last two seasons. But before he got hurt last year, he was very firmly in the all-star conversation. Like probably would have been one had he not gotten hurt in 2020-21. So to get him for, you know, Josh Hart is a nice young player. Alexander Walker, same kind of deal. First round pick, you know, that that's some stuff. But he is exactly what the Pels need. And that's not a huge commitment, especially because there's some protections on that pick too. So it's it's confusing. The Hornets are involved. That that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Show, but, um, I, I like the Hall for the Pels just because I think he's good, but also to get Nance, who can be an impactful player. Tony Snell hasn't missed a free throw since I was like six years old or something like that. You know, he's not going to play that much, but his stats are hilarious. It's it's good. It's a good Hall for for the the Pelicans to me, and I get why the Blazers are doing all these moves. I don't actually hate them as much as it seems like everybody else does, but they're just in down to the studs mode, rebuild around Dame going forward and. It's uneventful. It's almost sad if you're a Blazers fan to see the era end this way, but uh, it's what you get at this point in time when your team is really struggling. It's, it's going to be funny because, right, like in 10 years, 15 years, you get like a slightly younger generation of NBA fan coming in. They're going to look at like clips and the stats from CJ and Dame together and be like, oh, my God, those two were so good together. <laughs> what ended up happening? But it's just kind of like where they are, right? Like they they seem like they need to do a lot of what Neil Olshay did there in Portland and they're doing a decent enough job of it i actually thought the pelicans were probably going to have to give up two first round picks to get cj mccollum to so to only give up one and get larry nance jr even though he's injured and recently suffered a slight setback from that i think that's pretty good value and the way i've described it to people when it comes to new orleans is you know there's there's friction between zion and the front office and i think this is as much of a move to kind of show him we're not a dysfunctional organization. We're trying to win. We're trying our best to put a winner around you. And this was the best move they could make. It's like a poker player, right? That's starting to kind of get a little bit low stacked. They get a decent enough hand that maybe isn't pocket aces. And you're like, this is the one we're going to go all in on. And you kind of hope it works out. There's like a hint of desperation to it, but not that much. And I think it just makes kind of basketball sense And for Portland after these two moves. You know, they they have anywhere between 20 to 40 million dollars in cap space and additional picks going into next offseason. You know, there's a market. I don't know if that cap is going to come into play, but look, it's better to have that flexibility than not, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, their trade grade might depend on what they do this offseason, really. Like if they nail yeah. the pick and have a great free agency, everyone will go, oh, they, they did so well to, you know, trade McCollum for that sort of flexibility. And if they get to the summer and, Free agency goes bad and Dame's like, what is this team around me? And then they have to pivot again. Then everybody will kill this trade, right? So it's kind of a TBD grade for them as it is with a lot of these things. But, you know, I think Nate Duncan actually said something interesting about evaluating trades right away. It's like it seems sometimes stupid for for us, people who discuss league, to do it right away. But that's what the team has to do, right? The, the Pelicans had to evaluate this trade right now to do it, right? So we don't know mm -hmm. the, what it's going to end up being, but we ha it's totally fair to think like that and – so the Blazers, it's going to be an incomplete kind of deal. Maybe Alexander Walker pops. Like, he's had some 
bright flashes, but also some moments. Yeah. Some stunning lows at the same time. You would know much better than I, as someone who watches the Pelicans every night. So yeah, you know, that could, I guess that's the the high upside for them. But I really like the, the vets that the Pelicans got in this trade. And if Zion does return this year, I don't know if he will. Again, you would know better than me on that. They could. No, I don't on that one. (laughs) (laughs) They, they actually could be a pretty dangerous squad if he's able to click because he was awesome last year. He was an all-star last year, right? They could be a yeah. pretty dangerous team, but that, that's up in the air. I think this is still, because they have McCollum for three years, something that they can build off of, which is important in New Orleans as well. Yeah, when I was kind of talking about trade targets for them, it was don't don't kind of like mortgage your future on a guy that's maybe on an expiring deal that you push for the 10th spot. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but you're bounced out of the first round either way, and it doesn't help you in subsequent seasons. And that was like my one kind of trade requirement for New Orleans, and I think they hit it here. Look, there's there's risk, right? CJ McCollum has a bit of an injury history at this point, particularly recently. He's making above $30 million plus, so they lose all sorts of flexibility when it comes to anything like that. In future moves and if he his game you know at 33 really starts to decline that's a tough contract that you're gonna try and need to move because you're gonna have a zion extension looming so there's some downside here too but clearly that contract i think is kind of what made this deal almost cheap in a sense for new orleans that no one seemed to really want to be able to take on Something like that. But again, I get it from both sides. You mentioned uh, something, though, about the Portland Trailblazers where maybe they need to pivot if Damian Lillard looks at this and is like, well, screw this. I'm not going to be able to win here. They're in a good spot for that, though. When you have that much cap space and no long-term bad contracts, you can kind of do pivot very easily to like what the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing right now, right? Where you're more or less renting your cap space to other teams taking on their bad contracts and amassing tons and tons of picks. There's worse ways to rebuild in a small market like Portland than that, I think. You, you know what teams did that? The Hawks, who are now uh, made the conference finals last year and are pretty good yeah. right now, and the Grizzlies, who are awesome right now, right? Like they they neither of them did it like this OKC super long term thing. They only did <laughs> it's it for just two seasons. like so something, man. Yeah, they only did it for a season or two, but it paid off for them big time, right? Like when you're bad, it doesn't necessarily matter if you have a bad contract on your team. So. Yeah, the, the Portland set themselves up to either if Dame says, all right, you know, I, and he's Dame. He's played on Team USA. He knows all these stars. Well, he's one of the guys who has the, the capability to, in theory, convince someone yeah. to go there. It's always easier said than done, as everything in the world is. But still, you know, it is plausible that they could pull that off or at least have a, a somewhat interesting summer. But if he says, you know, as was rumored this last summer, you, you know, wow, we, we stuck. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> They do have they do have a lot of good ways to pivot, and in combination with their Clippers trade, at least a redeemable roster of young pieces to start with. Yeah, and and they're gonna, this is going to open up a bunch of minutes from some of those young guys, right? Like Simons is going to be starting now. I think they're very excited about that. He's going to yep. get a lot of minutes. Some of their other guys are going to get a real good chance here too, and I think they're pretty excited about that. So again, I think both of these trades today. Makes sense. I think maybe Portland could have gotten a little bit more, but at the end of the day, they're kind of still on course for the direction and the path that they want to go down. One path that we have no idea how it's going to play out, James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, it's more James Harden talk. Let's break it down. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by Built Bar. It's that time of year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. You know, normally in February, I'm not eating healthy anymore. We have like king cakes and a ton of Mardi Gras stuff in New Orleans. It makes it tough, but I'm actually doing a pretty good job this year. 
I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. And it almost feels like I'm not even trying at all because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. These things are absolutely delicious. When I have those like sugar cravings for, for candy bars or whatever, I grab a Built Bar. You've got to give these things a try. The flavors are unbelievably delicious. And if you haven't tried their Puffs bars yet, you're absolutely missing out because it's one of Built Bar's best tasting. These things are the first protein-infused marshmallow bars. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got the cinnamony churro puff bar, coconut marshmallow puff bar, and banana cream pie. They're so good. These things are going to be your new favorite, and all built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calories, high in protein, so replace your candy bars or whatever other snack things you go for with these. They're better, and they're better for you. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams sugar, four grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar. It's not even a question and built bars taste better. I also love the mint brownie. So go to built.com, use promo code lock 15, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code lock 15 for 15% off over at built.com. All right. Thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. We're talking trades here. So the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern. And the Locked on NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to the Locked on NBA YouTube page and turn your notifications on so you know when we go live. Basically, if a deal gets done, we're pulling the host into that show. And they're going to give you the big takeaway and break this down. Luckily, Tony and I might get a bit of a break that day, potentially, <laughs> but... Look, man, it's already an active trade deadline. Like, there's still more to come, I think, here, huh? I think so. You know, actually, a lot of the biggest names have already been moved, ironically, except for the two guys that we might be talking about in a few <laughs> seconds. But, you know, you always got to knock on wood with stuff like that. Like, there's there always is one surprise traded guy every year. And I don't know who it's going to be this year. I, it's a surprise for a reason. So that that is the reason I was like, out for that stuff. And that that... Lockdown trade deadline show we did last year was awesome. I too did the entire two hours and learned quite a bit from our local host. So I'm looking forward to it. No, it's awesome. It just kind of shows the power of the network. We've got a host for every single team. And these guys are, you know, like boots on the ground, right? No one, it's not national media that's taken the thousand yard view of a team here and maybe doesn't understand some of the specifics. It's the people that do this every single day, five days a week, right? That's what we're here for. We know these teams so incredibly well. So, yeah, we got to talk about James Harden. Do you so just right off the bat, you think he's getting moved or no? I don't. I do not. Um, I get why the Nets would I really do get why the Nets would do it now, but the only reason I would get the Nets doing it now is for Simmons specifically because that like a you know, I'll get into the specifics for that later. But the Nets are a, a title favorite if Harden and KD are healthy in the playoffs, even if Harden is not as good. You know, they, they had no Harden last year and no Kyrie and still almost beat the champs. You know, it took all seven games for that to go. Like, if they get a little more Harden than that, they're probably still the best team in the East to me. So I don't think they will, but I do understand, and only Philly makes sense in this regard, if they can go, okay, we have now have KD, Simmons is still awesome, and we get like a Matisse Thybul who can make it so KD's now guarding like the worst player on the other team and use all his <laughs> energy on offense. That makes a lot of sense to me because if you go, you still have two stars. Simmons is still very good. You know, that makes sense to me. But if they're just trading Harden for yuckiness or future stuff, that doesn't make sense to me. 
No, it, it feels like it would be for Simmons, right? Like, I, so this one's this one's interesting, right? And we're getting into that kind of like maybe we're reading too much into trade season stuff because you told me this and I didn't even realize it, right? Like they were going to hold him out and they were going to say it was under like that that hamstring injury that he's been dealing with, but apparently he was like ready to go and they're holding him out. They held him out tonight, last night, Tuesday night for I guess a potential trade. Yeah, Patty Mills before, after shoot around is like same old James. We got James Harden at, at shoot around for us. We're excited, and then the Nets are like, "Nah, he's not playing. He's he's out tonight." Yeah, it's like he's healthy. He could play. And they're like, "No, we're not going to do that." Like, I wonder if they're feeling a little bit of pressure that maybe they lose him for nothing. And so, if yeah. they start to feel that threat is real, you almost have to take like a preemptive strike and trade him to avoid a situation like that, right? Like Philly can clear enough cap space to sign him outright. Like they have moves that they can do, particularly if you've got a team like Portland, right? That could potentially, they could send Ben Simmons there, clear all the room just to sign James Harden outright and not need to send Ben Simmons back to the Brooklyn Nets. And if that happens and Brooklyn doesn't get anything in return for him at all, that's a pretty rough spot to be in. So it feels like this is going to come down. It's almost like a game of chicken, right? You've got the Philadelphia 76ers being like, we're going to clear space. We're going to sign him outright. And we're going to totally screw you over because you don't know him as well as you think you do. And then, you know, it's two teams staring at each other and like, which one has better Intel on James Harden, but the way Harden's played at times and some of the rumors coming out of there, it almost feels like he doesn't want to be with the nets to a certain degree. Right. Yeah, and I keep hearing, like, you know, maybe they'll win a title and then it won't matter and he'll stay. It's like, well, Kawhi left after the title. Like, you know, it's yeah. not like that's necessarily a guarantee either if he wants to go somewhere else. And, you know, Kawhi got hurt and stuff's been different. It's not like it's – but that Clippers team is still awesome. Like, it's not like Harden could not just parachute into another situation and they'd be good there too. So the Nets definitely, I think, should be worried. And the, the chicken game is what's complicated for them. And I think they just – management, ownership, coaching, whoever is doing this evaluation in Brooklyn, it's all got to be risk evaluation. What are you, are you willing to risk yeah. this for the title? And I, I think they should. Titles are, you know, the Lakers won a championship in 2020. They are a mess right now, but I think all their fans would say it was worth it, right? They got that title that year. I think Nets fans, especially with how their franchise you know, pivoted from New Jersey to Brooklyn and has gone through changes in a change in fan base in the last two, decade and a half, basically, would be very welcoming to a title, obviously. So I think they'll probably keep him and evaluate the risk that way. But uh, again, the game of chicken is what it is. And with a guy like Harden, who you gave up everything, everything you can trade for, you have to know. You know, you have to do everything you can. And if that means recouping some of that value and trying to have a different team, then you got to do it. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the decision they make, and you'd love like a longer runway to really be able to consider this. But at this point, it's basically you got about 24 hours where you're going to need to figure this out, which My is goodness. like stressing me out talking about it as much <laughs> as I think I could be like a general manager and run a team. Like, no, maybe not. Maybe I couldn't do that. Um, but that's kind of where they stand. Like, I do think there's like somewhat of a chance he gets moved if they get really scared, or maybe Harden just straight up signals it to them internally at some point. And if they move him. Certainly, it's going to be for Ben Simmons and probably Thibel, which is a pretty good return for a guy of his caliber, right? Like you said it, what yeah. it does with Kevin Durant, adding that kind of perimeter defender, I think is great. Um, and so I think that's that could be a good option for him. You know, it's just, as you said, it's risk evaluation and where do the scales tip when it comes to them. 
So we've been talking a lot of trades. We're going to wrap up the show here in a minute, but one more. Bradley Beal out for the season, getting surgery on his left wrist. Just straight up, this is last. Is he played his last game in Washington? Very possible. I mean, they were rumored to be in on Sabonis to try to convince Bradley yeah. Beal to stay. Now Beal's out for the year, so even if they did trade for someone else, they're not going to be good enough to use the success as an evaluator of convincing him to stay. I do think Beal has you know enough loyalty to the franchise to do like an opt-in and trade or sign-in and trade thing if he is going to leave. So I don't know if this necessarily like screws the Wizards or anything, but there I definitely think <laughs> there's a chance that he will not play a game in Washington again. No, I know. It's it's one of those things, right? We've been t- probably talking about Bradley Beal trades for like two, three years at this point. But this oh, is where more it's than like, that. <laughs> yeah, longer than that, probably. Um, this is where it really feels like maybe the writing is on the wall. And it's also probably what that team should do. Even with him, like how good is that team? That early season shine from them has really faded, I think, and they've fallen pretty hard back down to earth, of course, with his injury. But it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I don't see him being moved at the deadline or anything like that. So that's we're going to have to wait for the offseason to really see what happens. The the league never sleeps, and that's why we cover it here over at Locked On NBA every single day. So thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day. And now for your second listen, go check out the Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. 